All right. Welcome, welcome. My first guest, Dr. Keisha Kelly. Wow. I'm so happy to have you here today. What is going here. on? What is going on? <laughs> well, um, it's nursing and it's healthcare. And, you know, and um, I said the other day that uh, we're all busy. And if you're in healthcare and you're not busy, then you're in the wrong profession. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So let's start off by just telling me a little bit about your story and, and how you got to where you are today. Well, um, it's a journey. So um, let me, um, I'll try to give the Cliff Notes version of it um, to Kerr. And then if I'm going too long, just kind of pull an Oprah on me and just kind of interrupt me a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or something like that. There's a kind of polite way that I see TV hosts doing that when people are talking too long. Okay. Um, but kind of my story is that um, I won't go into childhood, but I will tell you that, you know, I'm a child of a, of a military, of an Air Force, um, retired Air Force officer. So I moved around a lot as a kid. And um, I knew that at the age of eight, that um, I don't know why it was my parents said, you know, you're going to college and what are you going to do? And I had to commit when I was eight years old. And so I said, I was going to be a psychologist. <laughs> and um, and, and, that, and I, I was really thinking that was cool because I could actually spell the word. So that was kind of like my thing. But the long and short of it is that as I got into high school and um, and I wanted to go into the military like my father, I was one of those ROTC um, nerds, if you will, when I was in high school. Um, but um, I actually used the Army as an ROTC scholarship to be able to go to college. And at the time, there wasn't a need for psychologists, but there was a need for nurses. And um, and so they said, well, have you thought about psychiatric nursing? And I said, well, um, I just want to help people. And I knew I always wanted to help people. So I went into nursing thinking I was going to be a psychiatric nurse, and that didn't happen. Um, I ended up having a gift and a calling for working with children. Um, so when I graduated um, from Texas Christian University, I had the best of both worlds. Well, I had a Bachelor of Science in Nursing, but I was also commissioned as the United States Army officer and got a chance to serve my country, which is what I wanted to do. Wow. So that's my background is I started out in pediatrics as a commissioned officer, and I was only in for six years, so I won't get too much in those details of that, but it was very, um, it was a very active, full um, six years. I had some great opportunities, and I was planning to be a general. I mean, and I, I'd be a general right now, and I know that if I had stayed in, I would have been a general, um, but I also had some experiences in the military that said, nah, we're not doing this. Um, I was kind of just tired of it, and so um, did six years, resigned. I was a captain at the time, and resigned my commission and uh, worked in the pharmaceutical industry for eight years. So I actually worked for Pfizer. I know right? your eyes are bugging because I didn't tell you that the other day. Um, no, you did not. <laughs> <so> I, <laughs> yeah, so it's a real colorful background. But, but you know, and the long and short of it is that I um, didn't want to be in the military. I, you know, as an officer, because of what you wear on your shoulder, people automatically assume you're, you're in charge and you should know what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I felt like a complete failure. I mean, I was a captain and I was managing over a hundred people, 26 years old. And I was like, man, I'm not really cut out for this. And um, so when I married my first husband and uh, I just decided I didn't want to do it. So I went into the pharmaceutical industry and I was there for eight years. I worked for Pfizer for eight years. I did not do the vaccine. 
<laughs> they were, but anything else you had, if, you, if your knees hurt, you couldn't remember anything, if you were depressed or anxious, if you had a yeast infection, um, I was your person. And, uh, or if you had allergies or you know, fungal infections. So it was everything. So I did that for eight years. And uh, Pfizer got a little big for their britches and laid off like 10,000 of us. And mm -hmm. I was one of them. Um, and it was fine because, you know, you get, you, get, uh, you get golden handcuffs and you get a golden parachute. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, so I had a golden parachute and had a year to really think about what it is that I wanted to do. And I said, well, you know, I'll go back into nursing. Because um, I tried to go back into sales. And I realized I actually hate sales. And I was like, what am I doing here? Like, mm -hmm. and, um, and I said, but I'm just going to take care of patients and go home. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not cut up with the management thing. I haven't been at the bedside in eight years. Um, so I'm just going to go and, and I had to renew my license. So that's something I would say, don't ever let your license last. Cause I really <laughs> thought I was not going to do nursing anymore. Yeah. And so I had to do four years of nursing in eight weeks. Yeah. Have you heard of RN refresher course? No. Oh, <laughs> torture. It is absolute torture. And so, and then I had to do my clinicals in a long-term acute care facility. You know, I was a peds oh. nurse. So, yeah. so anyways, a long and short, I don't recommend that, but I, I went back and I said, I'm just going to work at the bedside. And uh, I got hired for the first job I interviewed for. <laughs> and I was in a nursery because I was like, well, I'm not going to do NICU now. I'll just do nursery. And two weeks off orientation, I was literally off orientation, two weeks, manager said, I need you to be a charge nurse. And I was like, well, oh, wow. I don't like the way this 12 hours is going anyway. So let me go ahead and make it what I want it to be. Yeah. Um, and so I was at a little small community hospital down there in Texas and just kind of had the best of both worlds, you know, where I could just, that 12 hours went the way I went. And I, I, I was always good at my job. So I was really, really in my element. But yeah. I started to get my fix for NICU and wanted to work with the babies because I really loved that space of working with those families. And so there was another hospital in Fort Worth. You may have heard of Baylor Scott and White, but they had opened up a women's hospital and they were projecting to do 6,000 deliveries a year and they were opening up a NICU. And I thought, well, I'll just go over there and I'll just do, I'll work PRN over there, but I'm going to keep this thing I got going on over here. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so I went there, got hired, uh, took some vacation from this job. And this, what happened is I was on orientation and two weeks and two days into orientation on the second day of orientation, a manager approaches me and says, I need a night shift supervisor. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, and, but the way they were set up is that it was 50% clinical and 50% management. So okay. I was like, well, I've done management before and I get to take care of babies. So yeah. that's all I wanted to do. I wanted to do both of them. And I interviewed with the team like that same day. I don't know how she pulled it together. Um, and then the next day, because, you know, orientation was back, back then, it was like a week. She comes up to me and she's like, well, you know, I've been thinking I want to retire. And would you like to apply for my job? And uh, yeah. And so my mom was like, stop running away from your calling and just go ahead and do it. So, you know, yeah. I did a series of uh, a ton of interviews and I ended up managing a, a, uh, and overseeing the, seeing the expansion of that NICU. It was a 10-bed NICU. I oversaw the expansion to 63 beds. So it was a 63 bed level three NICU um, wow. that I had a chance to oversee. So that's kind of the beginning of it. So I'm just, I'm only telling you that because being away from the bedside for eight years, coming back, not even being at the bedside for, I think seven months, I was already back into management again. As I realized that healthcare had changed and it felt like it was a business. And I was like, I might want to yeah. go get a master's degree. And I just said, let me just go get one. But I didn't want an MSN. I actually wanted an MBA. Cause mm -hmm. I was like, 
I just felt like I didn't know how to do budgets and stuff like that. So I, yeah. so I got an MBA in healthcare management. And I was like, gee, I think I could be a CNO one day. You know, <laughs> I got promoted to director after two years of being a manager. And and at that time, you know, the manager said to me, the, the, the VP said, well, you need to get a doctorate. And um, and so something clicked in my head, Takara. Everybody kept telling me I need, need to go back and do something. And I was like, let me go ahead and get this doctorate because I'm tired of people telling me I need to go back to school. Yeah. And so then not only did I go back and get my doctorate, but I went back and I got um, certified as a nurse executive. Um, so I got a nurse executive board certification. Um, and, and so I, I just said, I don't want anybody ever, I didn't want the degree to be what was going to keep me from getting the next opportunity. So what's happened over the years, and I'm going to pause here, is that every two years, <laughs> Since 2008, I've gotten promoted. <laughs> so it's been from manager to director to assistant vice uh, assistant vice president to associate chief nurse, chief nurse, division chief nurse, and now senior vice president and chief nurse. So it's just been kind of like them eight years being away from nursing. I just yeah. was playing catch up. I was like, oh, okay, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. And so here I am as, so a, as a senior vice president. That's commendable. So do you feel like, like you said, you just always felt like management was just your calling. You just felt it. So were you ever, was there ever any fear there? Because like you said, you had been away from nursing for so long. Did you, were you ever, was there ever any fear in you managing nurses and you hadn't been out for so long? There was, a, there was, you know, I really felt that, um, that I needed the street credit you know, of being at the bedside, <laughs> you got to have street credit. And I had worked in a NICU and I had worked level three NICU, but I hadn't done it recently. Yeah. And it was, it was difficult for my team, you know, cause I was, you know, NICU nurses, they're, they're on a whole different level. We can be a little arrogant and um, you know, but then what I had to learn is that it was more about leadership because I wasn't expected to go in and admit a baby. I was expected mm -hmm. to manage the unit, make sure that people got paid on time, schedules, you know, and really managing performance and helping people to be better. And um, that organization really taught me how to become a leader. And every once in a while, when they couldn't get an IV, I would go in and, 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 and put one in a 24-weeker just to show them that I'm about my business. <laughs> You know, that's important showing them that you can do it yeah that I can do it you know I'd go and I'd feed babies or you know go and interpret some blood gases or something like that you know because there's certain things about nursing that you just never it's like riding a bike you know it's like yes. fundamentally there um but it was a large unit and um you know being a veteran you know you never see a general fighting in a foxhole okay mm -hmm. generals in the back they're they're 60,000 100,000 feet and you can't be effective leading if you're always in the trenches. So I would kind of swoop in and then come back and swoop in and come back. Because I always wanted to have that. Um, I was always a do as I do, not as I say leader. So I wanted to have enough of that. But but there's a balance with that, Takara. And you can be ineffective as a manager if you're too, too, too much time in the trenches. But I would do just enough of that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So let's talk about some of the barriers you've had to overcome through your journey. I know there's been a lot. So mm -hmm. let's let's jump right into that. What are the what would you say are the biggest barriers you had to overcome to becoming successful as you are? 
You know, the, the one thing that I learned very early on, and it was a tough lesson for me, Takara, is that there was a different standard for me <laughs> than others. I was yeah. always held to a different standard and I didn't really understand it because um, in the military, it was just so, you know, you show up, you do your job, you do it well, don't, you know, and then you got promoted. It was just kind mm -hmm. of, you know, there's a certain amount of time and as long as you met all the criteria, you got promoted. And so I was of that world. And then when I was in the sales industry, as long as I was producing, I was doing good. You know, you, you, if yeah. you grow in market share and building relationships, you were doing fine. I started to learn about politics. And um, I think probably the first inkling of, of the double standard that I saw was how I dressed. <laughs> and I had a CNO when I was a manager and director who consistently had something to say about how I dressed. Either, either I had leggings on, my pants were too tight, my shirt was too, score, too short, um, or oh. I, my arms were out. I mean, it was kind of just a series of just kind of, and, I, and the leggings one really bothered me because I quit wearing leggings, but I had to come work every day and see somebody wearing leggings. Oh, and, and wow. And it just irritated me. And, um, and so that was kind of the first um, of it that I knew. And then, you know, what happened is all the movement that I've had to car, I worked for five different healthcare systems mm -hmm. prior to the one I'm working at now is um, I kept hitting a glass ceiling. And, uh, and when I say glass ceiling, what happened in my first job when I got promoted to director is that our VP went, moved into a different role. So I was the likely successor for the VP. I was enrolled in my doctorate. I had my MBA. I was the most experienced leader and one. You know what they did? They eliminated the role. Oh, they wow. Eliminated it. And as a chief nurse, I, to be a chief nurse one day, I felt like I needed to have service line leadership. Like I had a whole bunch of people, like I had NICU, newborn nursery, postpartum and lactation, but I had no control of labor and delivery. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there was mm -hmm. another director doing that. So being a VP of Women's and Children's Services was going to give me the full scope. Yes. So I went to another organization and became the assistant vice president. And I got the full scope, everything, labor and delivery, all the way to P's and NICU and got that service line leadership. And what happened there was I got picked up for an executive development program, um, which um, HCA had, it was a CNO development program. And I was excited about it, but I was gonna have to move, you know? And so mm -hmm. I just kind of, you know, but no, and I was already realizing I was gonna, I didn't want to move. Um, but what ended up happening there was, there was another colleague of mine that was there that didn't look like me, um, mm -hmm. who was scrambling to finish her master's. I was already in my doctorate program. Mm -hmm. And the moment she got her master's degree, CNO calls me into the office and says, I just want you to know we promoted her to an associate chief nursing officer. Oh, and, no. You know, and I was like, was the position posted? They were like, no. I was like, you don't think I might want to interview for it to be considered? You know, wow. and, and, and I remember when that happened, that was the first gut punch that I had. I literally felt like I had been kicked in the stomach because here I was going to have to pack up my kids and my family and move for the same opportunity that was right there in my hospital that I could have had and I could have stayed near my parents. Um, but what was really hard about that, Takara, was that I was somehow expected to celebrate that. 
So when they made the announcement the next day in front of all the nursing leaders, I didn't have an attitude, but I did just stay on my phone. I just, I just was just looking down. I was like, you know, so then I got, <laughs> I was like, I'm not, I, you know, so then the CNO calls me back into the office and says, yeah. you're not celebrating her and all that. And then they threatened to yank me out of the executive development program. They threatened to take me out of it. And, you know, and I was like, you know what? I said, I, I said, I understand that this is your decision and I have to respect that. And I understand that I may not have gotten the job, but I should have at least been considered for it. And I said, that's my problem. You may have chosen her because she's the better fit. And I didn't like the fact that I was standing up for myself, but I realized that I needed that executive development program. So I shut my mouth, put my head down and waited for the next four to five months. And then I had to pack my family from uh, Texas to Denver, Colorado. (laughs) Wow. You went all the way to Denver. So, so basically, even though it was tough and like you said, you had to watch her being celebrated, you knew that should have been your job. You still stayed and you finished and got what you needed from that program before you moved on. Yeah, and it man, you talk about eating humble pie. Oh, because you start to think, rough. okay, I can sit here and I can fight this, or I can just, I, I, and I just started thinking long game. Yeah, long game. And let me tell you something right now. That woman that tried to hold me back, and that person that is in that role right now, they would have to work for me today <laughs> because they are still in those same roles. In those same roles, so see that wasn't meant to be. Still sitting in the same roles, doing the same. They moving around. They they, they're they're moving all lateral, but my star just kept rising. But I had to learn then. Shut your mouth and just realize that um, you know. And I just said, you know, once I kind of got on the other side of it, I just said, you know, God takes us through these storms, and and Mm -hmm. and and it's always been something better. So it was more. It was a slam door, but it was opened up another one wide open. Okay, so then what happened? We're going on this journey with you. So what happened yeah. when you got to Colorado? <laughs> <laughs> so I had built my entire life around a hospital that was, I could see it from my house. <laughs> and uh, it was a community hospital, um, part of a larger system. And the CNO of that hospital was my mentor. And I was brought into this market to be a part of their succession planning because they had had some turnover of CNOs and they had some CNOs that were going to retire soon. So I was there to be under the apprenticeship of a CNO and to be trained to be a CNO um, and, and then to hopefully be considered when somebody retired. And, um, and so I had a really good performance year that first year at that hospital. And what happened is that at a hospital that was in downtown Denver, they ended up letting a CNO go. Mm-hmm. And so I was positioned by the by the program and by the, the 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 market that I would go over there and I would be the interim CNO. Okay. And so that was the plan up until the Friday before I was supposed to go. Uh-oh. And on that Friday before I was supposed to go, they had pulled somebody from inside that hospital and made them a CNO. Oh no. But I still had to go. (laughs) I still had to go. I had to go. 
And this was a person that I would tell you, I personally like her. Um, you know, she's a nice person. She was a surgical services leader, but she had not had any of the experiences that I had had to be trained for that role. So I had to go over there and I had to help her. Oh, I know that was rough. There, there's. So again, like I remember being in church. I mean, I, again, I got kicked in the stomach and, but you know, and I just, and this is just it, Takara. I just said, you know what? My husband and I, we were like, okay, um, we're not, this is, we got to work on our exit strategy. Mm-hmm. I said, but I'm going to go over there and I'm going to make the best contribution that I can and look for my next opportunity. So it was a both end. And yes. I actually did the things I was most proud of there was their patient experience scores were awful. Mm-hmm. But by the time I left, they were at the 75th percentile. I had put some work in place and gotten them up to, to better performance around some work. And I had done some other work as well. Um, but I also realized that there are certain, remember we were talking, there are certain places of the country I wasn't going to go. And with yeah. this organization, what was available to me with my kids still being in school was places like, there's, part, there's Florida and then there's Florida. Mm. Okay. And I'm not going to that part of Florida because I might as well be in Dolan, Alabama or <laughs> Mississippi. And, and I was like, I'm not raising my kids there. You know, yeah. so yeah. the positions that were available to me were not positions where I was willing to take my family and my kids. So I just kind of opened up my LinkedIn thing and I put that, you know, I'm looking kind of thing. Yeah. And I got this random email from a recruiter and I was sitting at my desk and I was having a shitty day. And, but I just said, well, let me just call her. Yeah. And it was a, it was a CNO position for Kaiser in Hawaii. So yeah, I did my job here. Any of you there? And said goodbye to that organization and went down there to Hawaii and became, it got my, I broke the ceiling and became, wow. I had to leave the organization again to get my next opportunity. Yeah. How was working in Hawaii? <laughs> How was that? Was it every nurse's dream like we hear about? Is that the truth? Like, oh, Hawaii is everything. It's, you know, or or that's not the truth. No, there is working and living in, working and vacationing in Hawaii living are two different things. And okay. There is a of living in Hawaii and there is a reality. And the reason why I was a strong candidate for it, Takara, was because I had, uh, as a young officer, I had done like a six month uh, training there. So I had okay. done more than vacation there. I had been there temporary duty. That's where I did my residency to become okay. a pediatric and NICU nurse. So I was in Hawaii as a young 23-year-old. Okay. So I had had more of that experience. So they knew I was going to come in there. I wasn't going to come in with the pipe dream. And I yeah. had remembered at that time, <laughs> leaving as a, as a young 23-year-old, I was like, I could come back here one day, but it was going to have to be under some circumstances. Like I was going to have to be able to afford to live there, you know? Yes. <laughs> So um, the law, what's the irony of it is that the hospital that I was the chief nurse at, it was literally down the valley behind the big pink hospital that Mm -hmm. I trained at. Yeah. Oh, wow. (laughs) Yeah. So it was, um, it was, it was, it was, um, the island culture is something don't underestimate it. People think, Mm -hmm. hey, you know, hang loose. Mm -hmm. Okay. They're nice people. They're good people, but they are very local. Mm-hmm. They don't welcome outsiders. Um, I was able to kind of break it a lot of it because of um, being brown helped. Um, yes. Because a lot of oh, local, wow. you know, they don't like Caucasians. They have a name for them. It's called Howley, H A O L E. And it, it means outsider, but it's derogatory. 
and mm-hmm. they don't like them. And it was interesting to go there. And um, I had nurses that were travelers there that were white that would file complaints of discrimination. <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's and different. I remember one nurse, that, I mean, one nurse, I was talking to her and she said, she said they wouldn't be able to do that. They were back in Kentucky. And I was like, oh, well, maybe you should go back. Yeah. You should go back. It's the other way around here. Well, you don't need to be here, you know, because, yeah, because it's kind of like, don't try that in my small town. We're not going to go there. Um, But it was a good experience in that I grew in dog years out there. So I was not only the chief nurse at a hospital, but essentially the chief nurse of that region. We served about 250,000 members. The hospital was, um, we did everything except organ transplants. Um, And that was with another hospital. And we had like 17 clinics. Um, so I was pretty much on, not only on the hospital executive team, but I sat at the regional executive leadership team as well, too. And so um, so it was a it was a good experience. But again, um, I had another woman. <laughs> they had brought in a chief nurse from uh, that was at the, in our headquarters in Oakland, California. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we, we we had done a mock joint commission inspection and it didn't go well, like it was like seriously, if you're going to draw up contrast, you might want to label it. I mean, there was just, we just had really bad drift. So she was sent out by the president of Kaiser to come out and help me. Mm -hmm. And that woman came down there because it was my first time as a chief nurse going Mm -hmm. through a joint commission inspection. So she was down there to help me. And she walked in and I'm like here to greet her. And she literally drilled and grilled me for hours Having, oh. you know, what do you, what is your role as CNO? I mean, it was almost an interrogation. She was completely inconvenient that she had had to um, come out there and help me. Yeah. And, and the long and short of it was that I'm going to tell you that we ended up putting a plan together and um, ended up only having seven total findings in the entire hospital in that safer matrix. Have you seen that little? Yes. Box? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And only one was nursing, only one. <laughs> and it was a minor, like one, like a, somebody forgot to sign something. So, yeah. we, but, but the long and short of that is that I, she continued to hover over me from, from California. She hovered. And then we got an interim president there. And I, I found out that she, she was starting a paper trail on me. He showed me a memo and it was a memo that she had written about me that said that I needed, and it was kind of things like she needs to be self-aware and, you know, and she doesn't know what she's doing. And, and, oh, and it, no. it was a document. And I was like, I'm in the middle of the ocean. And, and, and my, my brand, oh, no. you know, I said, I can't lose a job out here in the middle of the ocean. So again, we have, and I had tried to transfer to a smaller hospital within Kaiser yeah. And they had told me that I wouldn't be successful. And oh, wow. Yeah. So my husband and I just, and, and the kids again, and, and my, my oldest had just graduated high school, but I had my youngest and it was really hard, but we had to go. We had, I can't stay here. I said, this woman is, um, is, is, is vicious. And here's the, the irony of it is that she ain't got no job now. And I got the very job she has. So she was forced to retire. And, um, but anyway, so God has a way of taking care of things. <laughs> taking care of things. Yes. So you knew to get out of there before they, you felt like they were eventually going to try to fire you. So you said, let me get out of here. So I don't have this yeah. on my, 
because so then you I ended up in Oregon. Are, it's not always about your competency. It's not always about your competency. It is they will go after things like, are you a good fit? Yeah. You know, motivational fit. Are you do you know how to do the politics? It's all the soft things. They don't like you. They can build a case against you and move you along. And I saw it coming. And I was good. I was good at my job. I know. So then you ended up in. So then you ended up in Oregon. Nope. California. I'm still moving. There's another stop before Oregon. So then California. I'm still. Yep. I'm still moving. Mm -hmm. Okay. California. And uh, I was up here in San Francisco and I got a. uh, um, I was able to work a kind of full circle where uh, a, a physician that I had worked with when I was in Texas was the president of that hospital in California. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was kind of like um, I applied for it and I became the chief nurse and chief operating officer of that hospital and uh, got a chance to work with him. And within nine months of being in that role, I was promoted to a division chief nursing officer of all of Northern California. Um, oh, wow. and so I had uh, everything from San Francisco all the way up to Mount Shasta. Um, and then um, I picked up another hospital. Um, but what happened is he ended up leaving and um, took on a system role of another um, healthcare system there locally, named me to be the president. <laughs> He's wow. like, I want you to, yeah. I was, and so um, he had named me to be the president and the division president wasn't support of me being the president, but we had, I had two boards that I needed to interview with. And we had one board that really wanted me. And it was, this was going to be over two hospitals, a president over two hospitals. One of the boards wanted me, the other one had a history of not wanting us. And they, they literally dug their heels in. And then the division president, he just would not, he just, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't put his name and his position behind me. Um, so, um, and so, I mean, I was already interviewing for other president roles and I was making like the top candidate role, but sometimes it's hard to see a nurse in that role or a chief or, you know, so it's hard, but I was doing it anyway. So I, I said, well, you know what, we're, we're probably going to have to leave again. And so I was interviewing for system chief nurse roles and also hospital president roles. And I was like, wherever God is going to put me, that's where I'm going to land. Mm-hmm. And then that's how I ended up um, almost about two years and eight months later, that's how I landed in Oregon as assistant chief nurse, senior vice president. Great. So you had a long journey. So now let's talk about Oregon and -hmm. let's talk about your, so Oregon is essentially your dream job, right? This is is the one you've been chasing. It's the one you've been chasing for all these years. And you finally, you finally got it. It's so commendable. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Oregon and let's just talk about your time in Oregon. Yeah, you know, Oregon has been, um, it's been interesting um, in that, you know, I love the job and and I got to tell you that, um, and I didn't do the disclaimer in the beginning, but I'm speaking on my behalf of myself and not on behalf of my organization. So I'm here to talk about my experiences. Um, You know, dream job, love love the lady I was going to work for. I mean, um, and uh, like the team and, you know, and but here's the thing that was different though. I was officially corporate now and where I had built my credibility with my frontline teams is because I was the CNO that walked through your doors and, and went to ED to catch night shift. I was on the, I was in the operating room trying to catch that before their first case. And I was on the floors that changed the shift. Um, yeah. You know, talking to, I was that CNO. 
when I moved here and I became corporate. <laughs> so there are eight hospitals mm-hmm. and I'm not attached to any of the hospitals and our system office, because it was around the Delta surge of COVID, it was closed. So they yeah. set me up at home. I'm, I was right here, you know, yeah. was, you know, was hard and mm-hmm. it was hard. It that was hard. Um, because I had all these dreams of, you know, being the CNO that walks the halls and high five staff and get to know people. Yeah. And I did not get that opportunity at all. Yeah. I did not. Yeah. Um, and, and that was, that was hard. Um, and the reason why I chose this organization was because of their, um, their, their DEI journey. They, they were being very intentional around diversity, equity, and inclusion and becoming an anti-racist organization. And, and, and they were putting resources behind it, not just one person to save the world. Um, yeah. And we're really trying to, ch- and, and really there was an investment in senior leaders, making sure that it starts with us. And so those were the reasons why I came. And, um, but it was interesting though. I mean, I got here and mind my own business. And next thing you know, I, I learned that um, there was a concern that I didn't have a license in Oregon. <laughs> and um, that was within two weeks. And I was like, that's interesting. Um, don't need it, you know, to be in a hospital. I mean, for, you know, from a hospital, from a regulatory standpoint, you need it on day one. I'm corporate. So, yeah. you know, and, and not only was it the fact that they had the complaint there, I was told that I need to go and explain why I don't have a license. Like I'm not doing that. I said, I, I'm here because I was qualified to be yeah. here. <laughs> yeah. And, and I said, and I have six months to get my license and I'm not explaining that to anybody. Exactly. I went ahead and got an Oregon license and one of my hospitals and some of my clinics actually were in Southern Washington. So mm-hmm. I went ahead and got a license in Washington too. I was like, okay, I'm just going to get one. I got one. And so I did that. And, um, you know, and then it was just kind of, um, then there was, a, there was something about a Facebook post from 2013. And, uh, mm-hmm. it was a discussion I was having around my doctoral work and, um, and they said that I was a fattest because I was wanting to explore the obesity epidemic in nursing. I just wanted to explore it. I didn't want to like, I wasn't criticizing us. I was just saying, how can we be better role models? How do you yeah. tell a diabetic patient they need to get their A1C under control and you sitting there with a BMI of 50? You know, it's, it's impossible, you know? So yeah. Yeah. So yes. the long and short of that is that I just, um, I was like, okay, you know, and it, there was no finding there, no wrongdoing. Um, but then I have, you know, I have my, my social media platform. I, my presence on social media is really Instagram and Facebook. And yeah. I kind of stumbled upon TikTok and I liked the app. And so yeah. I was using the app to make content, but mm-hmm. I was bringing the content over to my friends and family on Instagram and Facebook, but I accidentally went viral a few times. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, something just takes off. And, and so I ended up building a platform on TikTok that was um, really around being over 50, being a wife, a mom and fitness. You know, it's real. that was my whole niche. You know, you got to get a niche, right? Yeah. And so um, but what happened is they started reporting that I was making videos at home <laughs> and, you know, but I said, but I'm working from home. So, you know, so the first reports were that I'm making videos from home. And I didn't mention this to you when we talked before, but in that February of that year of me starting, they created a Facebook page. We never knew who it was to car, but there's a Facebook page that had a picture of my home and my vehicles. And it said, this is your chief nurse 
This is the face of greed while you all are working. This is your chief nurse. Oh, wow. And so there was that narrative. And then at that time, people were kind of catching, oh, who's this Keisha person? So then they were going to my page. And then there was just a circulation of my videos. They were sending them mm -hmm. to my boss. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and they were, and, and so there was, and it was among kind of the leaders of the organization that were just kind of circulating them. And my boss was like, I don't take anonymous calls. You know, mm -hmm. I don't, you know, mm -hmm. she wasn't responding to them and we had to put a stop to it. Mm -hmm. And, um, and she basically told him, if you don't want to work with Keisha, you can go work somewhere else. Yes. <laughs> so she, she, she took a stand. Um, and then it's just been a series of just kind of complaints that I think I think HR got tired of telling me about the complaints because it just you know there were just many of them then it was the petition I think you know there was that petition that was launched um, yeah and that was alleging that I was making content on company time because um, mm -hmm. I was back in the office and you know I think what was unfortunate about that and I just tell you I still don't know who they are I don't know I don't know um but I'm a blogger. So my platform was getting up at 4 a.m. I would do a couple of gym, uh, gym photos, some workout videos. I'd do a couple of transition videos. And then I would probably do like a five second video before I started my day in my office. Yeah, yeah. And then I worked the entire day. But what they did is they pulled all those little clips of me in my office before I started my day. And I was getting to the office long before business hours. Like I'd be the first person there because mm -hmm. that's just kind of how I rolled. Um, and, and so they went with that one and it didn't, um, it didn't take off. Um, and so after, you know, of course, you know, we had the shooting that happened here where we lost an employee and I can't go into details about the shooting um, because yeah. it's still an ongoing investigation and there's yeah. a lot out there. People can learn about it. But I was the, I was actually in the emergency operations center and I was actually standing in front of the hospital with the nurses to come in and relieve the nurses that had been impacted by it. And there was all these news clips of me, but yet the people, they decided to reinvigorate the petition and say that I was, while, you know, they were saying that I was making videos while all this was happening. Yes. And, on and the it, clock. Yeah. On, on the, the clock. Yeah. You're on the clock making TikToks while this was happening. Um, and they just put that narrative out there without actually having the facts that we have right now. And it's exactly, wrong. Exactly. Exactly. And what's fascinating about it all was that. I was fascinated about how the truth was being manufactured and how it was wow. taken on a life of its own. And I remember on that Sunday, I came home from work. I was the incident commander that day. Um, I had been in the hospitals talking to staff and, and rounding and, and we were trying to put safety measures in place. And, you know, I was just so engulfed in work and I came home and I realized that there was an entire mob of people that had come after me on my platform. I mean, they were just all in all my old videos, just, you know, and like I have blood on my hands, you need to rot in hell, you should be ashamed of yourself. Terrible. Um, and I took the page private and then I just got bombarded with requests. And then I kept getting message requests on Instagram. So they were doing the coming in on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then I just decided to just take the page down um, for not only my mental health, but really, we needed to take care of our employees and our teams and our community. And it was a distraction that I just did not feel like we needed right now. Exactly. You know? And I and I just, I didn't think the organization needed that because none of it was true. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it's just unfortunate because I, 
there were several nurses that were following me that were really inspired by my content. You know, because what I was trying to do, Takara, is I really wanted to humanize my role, mm-hmm. you know, because we're kind of, we're administration, you know, and people think that we're some kind of robots, that we're just interested in making money, and, and there's, just this, there's just this whole narrative, and don't get me wrong, there are people out there like that, mm-hmm. but I didn't get in the role for that. I, I really, truly got in the role in service of nursing, and, yeah. and I had such a passion and a heart and of how do I leverage my voice? Um, yeah. and really help nursing. But also as a woman of color, um, I wanted to also be the voice for people of color in this organization. Um, and it was unfortunate that I was using that platform to really kind of amplify that. But unfortunately, it was weaponized in a way that that uh, was absolutely the opposite. And um, and I, I, I don't think I'm going to take it. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to bring it back up. Wow. It traumatized you. It traumatized me. It traumatized you. The mob. I know. So basically, like you said, you were at work because you were dealing with a serious situation. Mm -hmm. When you came back to your page and seeing all those nasty messages and that they were coming from every side, TikTok, Instagram, what type of toll did that take? Did you get anxious? I know it affected your mental health, but what were you... What were you thinking? What was your first reaction? Let me start deleting comments. Let me try to, uh, what, what, what were you at thinking? At first, I was just deleting and blocking people. I was just delete, block, delete, block. But then mm-hmm. I realized that, you know, because I, I had already had like these fake profiles of people coming at me on my platforms. Yeah. And, but it was people who were kind of boldly in their space of who they are mm-hmm. just kind of coming in. I was like, this is different. And, yeah. um, and it was just, it was just too much. And I think I spent, I don't know, maybe 15, 20 minutes. And and here's the thing that I I had not been able to deal with the trauma of what had happened in our organization. But what I had also not been able to deal with Takara, as you know, is prior to that traumatic event at our hospitals, threats were had already been made to me and my husband on our personal safety. And I was already dealing wow. with that up to that Friday before this incident happened. We had had threats made to us. And so, um, but when this incident happened, I just kind of compartmentalized and I boxed that off. And I said, I'm going to just do what I can for my organization and for my teams. And I think what was really hurtful was that uh, I felt so betrayed because no one, I was not required to be there. I chose to be there. I just you know, we all, everybody just dropped everything and whoever was there was there and whoever wasn't, nobody ever judged them. But I was like, I've got to be there because this is nursing and they need to see their chief nurse. They need to see that I was here. I do not want that to go by. And I was not there. So it was really hurtful. And I felt just really hurt and betrayed by the people that I feel I've been called to serve. Exactly. And that's a lot. That's a lot, Doc. And, um, you know, when I first seen you know, the mob coming and people were telling me, they were like, look at, you know, look what they're doing to the CNO. And I was just getting pieces of it, just pieces mm-hmm. like, well, well, they're saying that, you know, she's, she's threatening people and she has guns and she does this and she does that. And I, I said, listen, every video that she, they said, oh, she's making these videos to talk people or she's whatever it is. I said, whatever it is that the doc is doing, there's a reason behind it. I said, there's a reason behind it. I mm-hmm. said, it's, it's, she's not just coming out 
for no reason. I said, you don't know. And I was trying to explain this to other influencers who are posting you as I said, you have no idea what's going on in that hospital. You don't mm -hmm. know how she's advocating. You are wrong for, you know, saying to your 400,000 followers that this woman is making videos while people are in pain. You are not there. You don't know. And it puts out a bad perception and you send a mob after someone and you have someone being bullied, someone's reputation that they've worked so hard to get as we can see you have been 30 years in this game you know what I mean working your butt off and people don't just get to come without all the facts and tear that down so I just felt a need I was like I was like oh no I have to I was like no 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 you know because I was like there's no one on the other side saying sticking up for, for mm -hmm. Dr. Kelly, you know, and I'm like, so the reason why I have this platform is because I'm going to stick up. I'm like, and she's a, not for her. She's a black nurse too. No, everybody's not going to attack. I'm the one black nurse with a voice mm -hmm. and a platform here. Let me say something. And then, but I knew in my heart of hearts, I'm mm -hmm. like, there's more to her story and mm -hmm. I just need to know. And by the grace of the TikTok gods, your mm -hmm. husband happened to see my uh, page and that's how it was because I didn't know how I was going to contact you I was like how am mm -hmm. I going to contact her I said I probably could search her up on work but that would be unprofessional mm -hmm. I'm like so what am I going to do I said because I have to hear her story because I know there's so much more to this and then after talking to you it just brought tears to my eyes because everything you worked for and the only reason they don't want you there is because it's racism and nursing and they don't want to be taken order they don't want you in that spot so they were go non-stop to try to get you out of it so when I talked to you and just hearing your story and I was just like, wow, you know, and seeing them calling you a thug and a diversity hire. And it's like, no, she didn't just, you know, waltz in with a diploma and get this because she's black. No, she worked. She traveled all over the country. Courageous. Some some things that a lot of people won't do. So yeah. I definitely just wanted to be in your space and um, talk to you. But let's shift gears to mm -hmm. you're also a mentor for women. Black women, nurses who want to learn mm -hmm. how to get in these CNO positions. So mm -hmm. tell me about that, because a lot of people don't see themselves ever. They're like, oh, I would love to be a CNO. But that's that's a goal that's so far away. Can I ever reach it? What steps do women need to take? Like, talk to me about your mentoring. You know, the, the mentoring is something that um, because for me, I, you, if you if you've heard me tell my story, I've not talked about any mentors. <laughs> <laughs> So I have, you know, and usually people will have a compelling story of somebody that's really kind of helped them. And I really had to kind of figure it out and navigate it on my own and never really had that. And so, um, but I'm grateful for where I am and what I've been able to accomplish. Um, and I feel just this need to give back. Mm -hmm. I feel a need to, you know, because, you know, and I listen to your podcast and, and you're right about we need more providers and of color and we need more um, uh people of color in nursing, we need more people of color sitting at the C-suite level as well too. And, wow. and we don't and we don't have it. And and too often what happens with women of color, we're highly stacked with degrees. We got 50 letters after our name. Mm -hmm. And many people who look like me, they're sitting in this middle management role. Mm -hmm. They may be making good money, but they're not positioned to where their voice matters. You got to be in wow. the C-suite. Otherwise, you are just a contributor to a decision, mm -hmm. but you are not a decision maker. 
And, um, and so I have done some formal mentorships and I do a lot of informal. So I've done um, through, uh, I'm a fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives and they had a diversity executive fellowship program. And so I did take a um, nursing leader under my wing and did a formal mentorship for a year and worked with her for a year and just a series of meetings, conversations, projects, and, um, and, and helped she finally landed the CNO role. I mean, it took her a while, um, yeah. because I had to help her get out of her way. <laughs> yeah, I almost yeah. fired her as a mentee because I'm like, until you realize that you're going to need to do this, you know, and then finally she got into a CNO role. Um, there's another young lady that, um, that's back from when I was in Texas and she was just 26 years old with her master's degree. And I just took her up under my wing and I'm like, okay, we, 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 we got, and she still considers me a mentor and yeah. encourage her to go back to get her doctorate. She didn't have any kids at the time. She wasn't married. I was like, yeah. I, would, I had gotten my doctorate while I had kids, you know, so yeah. and I know you got the same thing. And I said, go get the doctorate. I said, don't wait, don't wait, you know, and, and she thanked me after she got her doctorate. She's like, you know, I was really mad at you for making me go back and get that. Like, <laughs> are you making me do that? You know, but now yeah. she's married and she has two small children and she has on her second CNO role. Like, <laughs> I you love know? it. Wow. Yeah. So she's done it. And then it was just, I, mean, I have a number of women that will reach out to me on LinkedIn. They're inspired by my story and my journey. Yeah. And there's some people that I just, they'll just call, they'll message me on LinkedIn or some of them have my cell phone number and we'll just talk. And I remember one person that again, highly educated and they just kept throwing work at her, but wouldn't give her the CNO job. And yeah. if you, you listened to one of my podcasts and said, if you want to grow, you got to go. Okay. Yes. And that was one of my statements. And so I had gotten her to, to convince her that you're just going to need to go. And so she had taken a job in a, at, a, at a place in San Francisco mm-hmm. as an associate chief nurse, but it was a pathway to be a CNO. When she did that, all of a sudden her job wanted her to be a CNO. They made it, they made a CNO role for her. And they said, wow. if you stay here, we'll make you a CNO. You know, and so she was all worried because they had already, she had already taken that job. And yeah. I was like, you know what? I said, now you're in the CNO club. Yes. I said, now you're in the CNO club. I said, so you need to take this CNO job where you are right now. Tell them, I'm sorry, I'm not coming. And I said, but you already know what you're working with too. Yes. These people do not appreciate you, but go ahead and get these two years and mm-hmm. then take that, take your talent somewhere else. I said, you're in the CNO club now. So it's all about, you got to break that barrier and just get in that space. And once you're there, they, they, they stalk you. <laughs> they stalk <laughs> you. The recruiters stalk you like crazy after that. And then you should always be able to get a CNO role. So those are the things that I have done. And I've done a lot of that with, with people. Cause I, 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 you know, I think that, um, you know, we know that African-American women, we're the, we're the most educated group of individuals in yes. this country. Yes. And we do it because we feel that it will give us the opportunities that we need. Yes. And um, I mean, and I know that you, I, I listened to your story. You're highly stacked as a clinician. And, <laughs> and um, I just had a friend of mine who had a PhD. I just found out she went back and got an MBA. What you get an MBA for? You got a PhD. Come on now. You know, but she was like, well, I need to have a business. I'm, come on now. Enough. Get stuff. Enough. But that's what they like to do. They continue to tell us, go back and do this, go back and do that, go back and do this. And that's why I went ahead and got my doctorate. And that's why I am double board certified. I'm certified as a nurse executive and I'm a fellow of the American College of Healthcare Executives. There is nothing else you're going to ever be able to tell me to go back and do. Nothing. You've done it. I ain't going back. 
I'm like, if, you, if I got to go back, then you don't need my talents. I'll take them somewhere else. You are not going back, Doc. Okay, so what would you, what advice would you give to nurses, Black women who want to shatter that ceiling? Like one solid piece of advice, like what does it take to get into that C-suite? You know, I think that, you know, definitely the education, but I also think with us, and I think of women of color, and sometimes we get really comfortable in one organization and we just want to stick it out because they do things to us like, and there's a whole thing about it in the 70s that just give them some money and they'll be quiet. Mm. <laughs> they won't fight you. They won't push. Yeah. And um, But what I would say is, is um, you, you got to be, be able to be willing to go somewhere else sometimes. And you got to build your portfolio and your experiences into a space where you feel like you have something to offer the organization. It's not what they can do for you. It's what is it that you can do for them? And a lot of us, sometimes we sit there and we're just going back to school and we're getting certifications and there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong, you know, mm -hmm. um, but, and it's, you know, if it's, if you're doing it to be better at your job, it's great. But if you're just doing it to please somebody and hope that they'll give you a job or an opportunity, you know, I would say that that's an important piece, but I will also, what is, what's important is to get involved in your professional organizations. And, wow. um, okay. and I mean, like um, as a nurse leader, if you're, you know, if you're a manager, get into the American Organization of Nurse Leaders, um, AONL. Um, membership is, I think, three twenty-five a year. Go to the conferences. Um, and get involved in your local chapter. Um, mm -hmm. But I also feel that as nurses, that it's good to get uh, have our nursing organization. But I think it's also important to straddle and get into the American College of Healthcare Executives. And it's all the way down to managers as well, too. It's not just C-suite people. Mm -hmm. And it just gives you the, a diversified um, experience. The conversations are different. And, and I love both of them. In nursing, you know, we, we definitely click around things that are important to nursing. But you go into a room and you're talking to a bunch of COOs, CFOs, and people like that. Conversations are very different. And it makes you a stronger leader. Because the nurses of today, you know, I, I call them, I am not an organic CNO. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, there's your typical organic CNO. And, and they were the ones that just go do your nursing thing and tell me when you need some money and, and all that. <laughs> I'm not that person. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, just kind of, I think that would be the piece. Get involved in your professional organizations. Have the courage to go if you're running up against a glass ceiling. Um, I, I, that's, that's the, and it doesn't mean you have to leave the country or leave the state, but open yourself up. I would say also to Cara, um, LinkedIn profile is an active living resume. It is. And I'm okay. going to tell you the last three jobs that I've gotten is because I've been found on LinkedIn. And, okay. You know, they, LinkedIn. They those, yeah. They do the keyword searches. They will mm -hmm. do keyword searches for titles, but they also do keyword searches for diversity. So, you know, organizations now, particularly those who are really serious about it, they're looking for diverse candidates. So keeping your LinkedIn profile up to date, um, no selfie for your profile picture, get a professional <laughs> one. Professional I know this dude one time when he was holding a drink and I'm like, come on, bro, come on. Don't. No drinks on the LinkedIn profile. <laughs> but, and, then, and then just occasional posting. I mean, I, I'm pretty active on there, but but I'm not, very, you know, like I don't, I just, have, it's more around business and networking and things like that. 
and it gets you the exposure that you need. So I think those are the things that I would I would say um, that are top of mind for me. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Kelly, for being the first guest on the We Are In This Together podcast. We learned so much from you today. And just, um, this is really inspirational. Like I, you know, I told you your story is inspirational and I think people need to hear it. And I think definitely women of color who want to want to get that CNO, want to be in those, you know, managerial roles, they need to see that it's possible. Because a lot of times we just think we're just good to be a director of nursing or, you know, that's probably, you know, CNO. It's not, you know, I'm never going to get that because it does seem like a dream. That's the, the top of the food chain, right, is a CNO. So, and it's not going to be easy, right? But we see that you can do it because you've did it like four times over. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And now you're at the top of the chain. Well, thank you so much for being with me today. Well, thank you, Takara. And I just want to, I want to thank you for what you're doing. Um, I think you're on to something big here. And um, I just want to personally thank you for standing up for me and, and on the platform mm -hmm. because I didn't ask anybody for any help with that. And you took a position and you didn't know who I was from Adam or Eve. <laughs> you did that. And, uh, and I really just think that that was the Holy Spirit using you. And I appreciate that. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Kelly. Thank you for tuning into another episode of We Are In This Together. Make sure to follow me everywhere at APRM Beauty or click the link in the description. Until next time. Later.